0: Intermission coverage begins with the ECHL commissioner, Ryan Creeland. The Nailers trailing the Solar Bears three to two and Ryan gets a chance to make his way around the ECHL. This is stop number 18 out of 26 and even though you'll see number 26 during the regular season, I think it's the team that you see last that enjoys the visit most because that means that they're going into June, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's correct, but uh, that's not up to me. That's up to the guys on the ice and I don't know where I'm going come June. It's a
0: good crowd here in Wheeling. I know that you're encouraged to see that from a league standpoint. Do you try and make your schedule based on nights where teams are going to ultimately thrive so you can see them at their best?
1: Yeah, no, uh, that that certainly factors into the equation. Uh, Also geography, trying to piece things together. So I'm coming off a nice trip to Indian, Indianapolis, or excuse me, Indianapolis and Cincinnati, and then on up here to Wheeling. But uh, certainly to be in the buildings on Friday and Saturday nights means for a good crowd and a good atmosphere. The league
0: had its Board of Governors meeting last week and we saw a couple of rule changes regarding the play on the ice. As you can now review goal goaltender interference, which is something I talked with your manager of officiating Steven Thompson about last night. You also extend the playoff roster by one person. And a lot of that attention does go on the ice, but I know you're also big on the off ice product. So what are some of the things that you've really enjoyed that the league has accomplished this year? And are there opportunities to grow towards next year and down the road?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, That's a big part of our job and something that we focus on throughout the year. I think uh, our commitment to entertainment and community, those are kind of the two big pillars. And then when you dial down into the specifics, from an entertainment standpoint, I think our on-ice product has never been better in terms of speed and skill of the game. Uh, but doing things outside that as well—DC uh, Comics program, Marvel program, Nickelodeon program—trying to welcome new fans to the game, uh, create a family environment, and uh, you know, spice up the the entire atmosphere beyond just what's on the ice. And then on the, the community front, making sure that we're giving back. You see uh, school day games, making sure we're doing our hospital visits, and being part of the community. So those two things coupled, uh, you know, that's that's my off-ice focus on a day-to-day basis. Nickelodeon night has absolutely crushed it for us here in <laughs> Wheeling year after year.
0: Spongebob last year, Ninja Turtles yep, this yep. year. How do you get those partnerships? Because those are big-time organizations. Yeah, there. those
1: are international entertainment brands, and uh, you know, we, we start by talking to the to those companies looking uh, at some of their licensees uh, from a jersey standpoint and then starting to roll those programs together bring them to our board and then vote them on through and then you know that's kind of step one but then it's all the things that you can do to uh, produce that game environment and the ancillary stuff so the characters in the building the video clips up on the the jumbo board and certainly the jerseys on the ice uh, that's what helps create that, that great atmosphere you took over as
0: commissioner of the ECHL from the great Brian McKenna, who steered the ship very well for many years. Were there certain goals that you had when you took the job that you say I really want to try and
1: institute more of this? Uh, I, I think a little bit uh, mapping out our strategic plan, and uh, you know, I worked under Brian for 15, 16 years, learned a lot, but there's certainly an age gap between he and I, and so. I think I'm a, a little bit more progressive and, and trying to focus on technology and new ideas. And so that, that's something that I want to try and uh, incorporate into the game. But again, I. I Uh, when you work with somebody for 15 years, a lot of that person's embedded in what you do on a day-to-day basis.
0: I'm gonna ask you a little bit of a brain buster question because this is always challenging, and I asked Joe (laughs) Babbick this a couple of years ago on our podcast. It's never easy to make a schedule, and you talked about the geography earlier in our conversation. How are you able to do it in a way where you can capitalize on a lot of big dates? Like you mentioned, your Fridays and your Saturdays, but also taking into consideration the health of the players and not just pounding three and threes down their throats because ultimately you want that product on the ice. Like you said, I think this is the strongest that you have seen the players in – pretty much the history of the league.
1: Yeah, so the schedule is probably the most uh, intensive and complicated thing that we do as a league office. There's so many factors that go into it in terms of date availability and player safety and travel and just a host of other things to, to make up a 936 game schedule. Uh, used to be done with magnets on a board. Uh, we've advanced to a schedule al- algorithm and a, and a program, but again, it's Plugging in all of those different premises and factors that go into a schedule. And even though we've got the brain power of uh, our computers, there's still a human element that goes into to polishing it. And, uh, you know, it's probably never perfect, but we're able to run reports out of, that, out of that algorithm, which allows us to identify this schedule may be better than this schedule, which may be better than this schedule, and weigh those factors and try and raise all 26 of our teams to their best schedule.
0: One of the hallmark events of the ECHL schedule just happened last week, the All-Star Classic in Wichita, Kansas. The three-on-three format, people seem to just absolutely eat that up.
1: Yeah, no, we, we've we been tinkering with the format, and uh, I'm really happy with, with where we've settled. I mean, getting the home team involved versus the All-Stars allows the home fans to get into the game. Uh, both in Toledo last year and Wichita this year, they did a fantasy draft of their own team to split uh, into two teams, so you had the hammers and bolts from Wichita this year, and the three-on-three format, not only is it three-on-three, but, you know, we don't stop the clock, we have very little face-off, so it's kind of uh, pick-up pond hockey like when you were little, and the players love it, right, so whether the goalie stops it or or it's in the back of the net, the official's got an extra puck in his pocket. He drops it, and we're going the other way. I didn't know that part. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun.
0: I'll have to watch that for next year in Jacksonville. The Hall of Fame event is also part of that. I love seeing the players and the coaches, and you have a lot of different categories to cover a wide spectrum. Do you see the Hall of Fame just continuing to grow year after year?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, we're 32 years old as a, as a league, and uh, only once a year do we get a chance to, to celebrate our history and uh, i've been really happy with what our hall of fame committee's been able to do recognizing players some guys from the early years you know that were in the infancy of our league but also those that have gone on to developmental careers and helped set the stage for the echl as a developmental league so uh this year you had derek clancy and glenn Metropolitan who have gone on to the nhl and then of course jared bednar who's coaching the avalanche right now and uh, you know, he got up there made a speech. He was so emotional because he cares so much about the ECHL because it's where he, he cut his teeth. Very good. I'm going to put a bug in your ear that it's time to get a voice in
0: there. So maybe Dave Gosher, the former Thunderbirds voice, <laughs> who's now with the hey, Vegas Golden hey, Knights. Y-
1: you have nomination power, my friend. All right. I like that <laughs> idea. Jacksonville next year,
0: that's a cool market. They lost hockey for a while. They've come back with a storm.
1: Yeah, no no kidding. Uh, they've really done a fantastic job down there. The fans are completely engaged. and I uh, was down there a couple weeks to announce the All-Star game. We were out on the ice during intermission. And uh, I didn't know what to expect, and we had 8,000 people who were absolutely wild about the announcement to be down there next year in 2021. Big finish to the regular season, then the Kelly Cup playoffs. What else should we be keeping an eye on? Well, certainly that. I mean, when you look at the division races, uh, it's pretty tight, and you've got a lot of division matchups coming up for each team here down the stretch, and that's done by design, so it makes for a lot of competitive races. And uh, just look for our continued growth. I mean, uh, we're watching the NHL go to 32 in a couple of years. The AHL do the same. Uh, we're not there yet. I mean, we're again, we're only 32 years old, but we're going to continue to look at strategic markets for the ECHL. You'll see some things in the news. Not going to happen overnight, but uh, you know, we're really cementing our place as the premier AA hockey league. Uh, to develop players for the
0: NHL and AHL. I absolutely love it. Ryan, I appreciate you taking the time to come up and chat with me tonight, and hopefully we can get wheeling on your calendar in June, because I know you had a blast here in 2016.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we, we did, but uh, that's not up to me. That's up to you guys.
0: <laughs> that's absolutely right. E- <laughs> ECHL Commissioner Ryan Creel joining us on their mission coverage. Nailers Trail Orlando 3-2. We'll recap the second period next on the Nailers Broadcast Network.